It has taken me a while, but I have finally figured out there's no hope of convincing those not naturally inclined towards socialism to adopt, accept, or do anything but snarl at its manifestations or telltale signs. It's quite simple. Some people's need for affirmation, of affirmation, confirmation, ownership, and power over others is insatiable, which is to say mortal, as in wound. When one studies the humans of status and wealth, acquired or inherited, it makes no difference, of history, they are usually such sad and depraved persons that only a current population of the same can explain their mistook veneration. I have hacked up Thomas Jefferson enough for his sad persona, but he's not alone. Most of the monarchs we have been schooled to acknowledge as interesting, if not glorious, really wilt and melt in any kind of a harsh light of truth. It really takes an almost heroic person to say, I have enough, I like hitting home runs, I love my wife, my teammates, winning, I am good, a laurel wreath will do and enough money to do something worthwhile after my playing days are over, but $30 million a year in the meantime? What is wrong with you? What tiny person are you? You are worth it? To your boss only, who does next to nothing to pay you that much. By mythological means, we, have we are indoctrinated to aspire and ape our lowest common denominator. Why? Because many successful are frauds, and it is perhaps reassuring as we rely on personal fraudulence to make our way. This explains Trump precisely. I look at him and I see myself is surely the morning mantra. He is fat, he cheats, he's a bully, underpays his employees, has a tiny vocabulary, and these virtues make him irresistible to us because they are our virtues, our values, capitalist to the bone, without worth. It is interesting that a socialist can live uncompromised in a capitalist society. I do, but the reverse is not true. It is one of the lovelier lies that capitalism confers accountability and independence at once. The opposite is true. Profits come from low-wage employment, are dependent on it, and the rising cost of necessities ensure a hamstrung low-wage class. Or again, without slavery, Thomas Jefferson was a poor man in every sense. He said it himself, justice, in, justice is in one scale, self-preservation in the other. To be truthful, self-preservation meant to him wealth, not a good job to provide for his family. I don't care about the chorus of children masquerading as men out there saying it's human nature. It isn't. To imagine this kind of weakness, to insist it is the natural way of things, affirms how sad its trumpeters are. It is largely an American toot. Collectivism, while ruled by kings, was kept alive by the commons, and the ideal aristocracy felt a sense of duty, rode the front ranks in war, and it seems their sense of responsibility to their yeomanry was more than law or propaganda. America dispensed with that in its laughable claim of equality, simply creating an aristocracy without burden of responsibility, and how easily that tr transition came about in a generation. Perhaps Gen Jefferson was the role model. It's always fun and also unnerving to hear the paranoid attacks on Marxists from McCarthy 
to the Republican punces today. The notion shivers their very bones, emasculates them altogether. It isn't, it isn't just money anymore. They want accolades for doing good deeds, for a master's degree, for exploiting the people who create their wealth. I guess they have not heard the whisper of the soul realized are untrammeled by the need for action, the deed they know they did, the work that ha that is its own reward. Maybe why they pray in public, see me, Dad, aren't I good? The fool believes it and sends rewards, we think. The socialist, naturally inclined, is not like his obedient half-brother. He, and more than often she, has not the craven need of recognition, status, and Audi. They know that promotion is not much proof, is not proof of much, really. Something happened early on that made competition fun, not life-devouring. Something solid grew when it should when it should, and changed the color of the world. It is true. It is rare. America makes success in the crowds of the genetically jealous. The brave soldier comes home after risking it all among her companions, aware that the mission was entirely collective, to rush into the petulance, trivia, and ignobility of self. The nobility of teaching high school, policing, working for the government, driving cabs, laying brick, plumbing, farming, all of it left behind by the market that makes nothing but money for people who do nothing but raise the price of real estate and elect the chilly dinosaurs who represent their obsession and their hate. The capitalist has allies in strange quarters. They are really visible today because perhaps they are emboldened by the great success of their patrons, the intellectuals opinionators, booksellers often, podcasters always, etc. Their lack of self is the same, a chasm to be filled by fame and wealth, or if you like, to watch a YouTube where Chris Hitchens is selling a book. I choose him because he was actually a real contributor to the hopes of the slender ranks of the grown-ups in our recent past. Even he, you should notice, always pushed his latest book. Where this one man sold his thinking as an iconoclast, several hundred sell convention and acceptance of the status quo. In some ways, they have invented it, or at least adapted it. Jordan Peterson tells his viewers they will be seized of an inferiority complex upon looking up Stephen Fry's achievements on Google. Yes, they will, and find nothing amiss in this. It is their starting position, their culture, the inferiority complex. The socialist by nature is not seeking her superiority her superiority complex in her daily doings. She might have once, and then she turned 16. In fact, medieval peasants found it much easier to imagine a world of equality than medieval intellectuals. Intellectuals were born in the church, lest we forget, and have had close ties to chiefdoms and their wealth ever since. For hundreds of years, the history written by the 1% of monarchs tussling with church over whose power was most real and everlasting was spectator sport for the peasantry, who were often also victimized when one side or the other lost. Doesn't matter which. These are games we are still playing and simpering on about separation of church and state just ignores the reality. T. Jefferson did mock at miracles, but accepted plenty of the supernatural stuff of Christian law, particularly the stuff that supports notions of the exceptionalism and new Jerusalemism that condoned genocide and enslavement. And speaking of democracy, our version is a pallid version because it only really deals in property rights or who gets to keep how much of the money they think they have earned and whether the remaining sums should be used for swords or plowshares. In short, who owns what is the only topic allowed on the docket? 
Who owns what is the only topic allowed on the docket, and the ones who do not own have no part in the, of the discussion, though they can vote for them that do the discussing discussion, who are usually millionaires, and still badger them every day for ever more money, or else the enemy will destroy them and me. And I side with Democrats, the party of non-paranoia, I thought. Mitch McConnell is out to destroy me. That part of me is indestructible, the part that most rises in his gorge, that socialist part he cannot touch, which, yes, will destroy him by depriving him of his life-giving myth. <laughs>